0: THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure! To welcome you to episode five hundred and twenty-seven of the Two Hundred Nerd Comic Book Podcast, nerds, my name is Matt Baum. And
1: I am the internet's Joe Patrick. In this week's episode, we're reviewing eight of Wednesday, May 1st's new comics with spotlight reviews of Deceased, number one, and Year of the Villain, number one. What a better way
0: to welcome May Day, right? Yeah! The Working Man's Holiday! Then it's down to the T Gen Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're saying sorry to some creators on Twitter and rapping about our must read pics for next week. And finally, Nerd at the Movies returns to talk about Avengers Endgame, but it ain't. Just another glowing review, folks. It's all happening in this pulse-pounding episode. It. Yeah, it turns out we hated it. <laughs> but first, we better talk about this week's Nerd news. Nerd news.
1: The nominees for this year's Will Eisner Comic Industry Awards have been released, and it is a good year for Image Comics. Yeah, it is. Which not only has the most nominations of any publisher, 19 in total with DC coming in second with 17, but they also make a clean sweep of the Best New Series category as a whole. DC's Mr. Miracle series picks up four nominations all for itself, Best Limited Series, Best Writer for Tom King, Best Penciler Inker for Mitch Jarrods, and Best Cover Artist for Nick Darrington. King himself received five nominations, including Best Writer, Best Limited Series for Mr. Miracle, Best Continuing Series for Batman, Best Short Story for his piece in Swamp Thing's Winter Special, which was pretty
0: good. It was so good. Oh my God, it was
1: so good. (laughs) Best Graphic Album Reprint for Marvel's The Vision hardcover.
0: I hate that. What does that even mean? Best Graphic Album Reprint. (laughs) Best Trade Paperback.
1: Come on. Yeah. Uh, Alex DeCampi and Jeff Lemire, both also nominated for Best Writer, received four... Nominations apiece, Matt. I got the uh nominations called up here. Let's take a look at the list.
0: I'm looking at them too, and I think the biggest celebration here for Image is the best new series where you've got Bitterroot, Crowded, Gideon Falls, Isola, Man-eaters, and Skyward, all of which we have reviewed and we loved. But wow, not a single DC book, not a single Marvel book. I am so proud of Christopher Sabella. Getting oh, on for there sure, crowded. Yeah. Such a great book, an image sweep on best new series.
1: That is insane. They've had a great year and absolutely nuts. Uh, there are, I mean, DC did have plenty of nominations. They. They almost swept the best limited series category. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Batman White Knight, Eternity Girl. But you don't see- Snagglepuss. And this is not- Snagglepuss. I fucking hope Snagglepuss wins. Snagglepuss
0: should absolutely win. If they want to go just on the chance they took on that book, the quality of writing, and what they achieved- I think Snagglepuss has to win. That. Well, no, it's up against Mr. Miracle, so Mr. Miracle's definitely going to win. I get it, but Mr. Miracle also took some smack from some reviewers too on the ending. They're saying that they didn't quite stick it and we don't know where it ended mm-hmm. up. I don't know. I think Snagglepuss could be a dark horse there. So, best continuing series, we've
1: got Batman as we mentioned, Black Hammer, Gasolina, which
0: I don't think I've ever I didn't read. Love it. I, I don't remember it, was it at all, Fine.
1: Giant Days, which I love. Uh, the Immortal Hulk and Runaways by our good friend, Rainbow Rebel.
0: That is awesome. I Totally hope wins awesome. The I think Black Hammer runs away with this one, though. Absolutely deserves it. Hot take. I don't think Batman by Tom King should be here. I don't either, but I want Incredible uh, Immortal Hulk to win. Uh, okay, I think Immortal Hulk wins. Black Hammer should win. Batman shouldn't be here. Giant Days, great choice. Runaways maybe could win. That's your Dark Fingers Horse. Fingers crossed. You wanna, You want the high money payout? Bet on Runaways. There you go.
1: The high money payout.
0: Yeah. Uh, i like got? like the swami over here. What else we got that's of any interest? You don't know what that even means when I say that to you. A swami? The swami. It was an ESPN thing. Chris uh, Berman put no. out, like, a hat on I know that, Like picked football scores for gamblers. The
1: amazing Kreskin was a swami. Okay. Right? I think we can
0: move on. We Jambi? Thought, no, he was a genie. Jambi was a genie, you fucking racist. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> It's not racist if you're just confused about his job title. Oh, yeah. Man. They're all swamis to you, aren't they? Joe Patrick and Hollywood News. Epics has released a new trailer for the Batman prequel. We've all been itching for Pennyworth. Yeah. <laughs> Along with confirmation that the series will debut July 28th. Set in the 1960s, Pennyworth follows the espionage career of the future Wayne family butler, Alfred Pennyworth. Just reading this out loud. Okay, but look. I can't believe it got greenlit. If they're going to make a Batman prequel, Alfred's backstory
1: is pretty interesting. Fine.
0: Whatever. But have you been reaching for that one? Or would you rather just see, I don't know, Batman show? They're not going to make a Batman TV show. Of course they're not. They're not going to make a Batman movie either. We're done with Batman. It's ruined. <laughs> all right. Well, look, did you watch the trailer? It looks like it looks fun. super fun British yeah, spy, I know. like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy type stuff. Alfred Pennyworth is played by Jack Bannon. I'm not sure who he is. The 10 episode first season also includes Thomas Wayne, played by Ben Aldridge. Martha Wayne. We don't know any of these names anyway. Yeah, I don't. Know any Martha Wayne are.
1: or Martha Kane, the future Mrs. Wayne.
0: <laughs> Meanwhile. In news that I'm a little more excited about. DC released a full length teaser trailer for director James Wan's upcoming Swamp Thing show on the DC Universe streaming service. That debuts on May 31st. The teaser looks pretty good. It's scary. I, it looks scary. It looks horror. Yeah. And that's what I was hoping for. Yeah, they're really leaning into it, it looks like. And, I do and, think it's gonna be a tough sell.
1: And James Wan, he made didn't he make some Saw movies or
0: something? No. James Wan did Star Trek and James Wan did James, Fast and the Furious and did You're
1: thinking of Justin Lin, I think.
0: No, James Wan did that too. No. No. Justin Lin made The Fast and the Furious. James Wan directed Furious 7. Oh shit. Yeah, so Furious 7. Eat a pack of shit. There you go.
1: Oh, and he did do Alchemist. He
0: you're also right. directed The Conjuring, which was fantastic.
1: I am right about Justin
0: Lin, though. Oh. He did, a, yes, he did many did of Yes, Justin Lin did several other. Fast and Furious so things. you're the racist. Look at that. Reverse racism. There you go. Reverse. <laughs> ah, the dreaded reverse <laughs> racism. No, the guy's a very talented. He did both The Conjuring and The Conjuring 2. I like the first Saw movie. He wrote that. He didn't direct it. And it had a good ending. But, you know. I think he is a very talented director. I mean, he's Aquaman, a horror director. He's wearing his, his roots. I'm more excited for the Mortal Kombat film that he's producing, to tell you the mm. truth. Mm.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think both shows look good. I, like, who on earth subscribes to the Epics Network? I don't even know where I find that.
0: Yeah, but uh, that does lead me to believe that it might be a little more adult in nature than, like, some of the CW shows, since they're doing it on a cable channel, which I'm okay with. I guess... If you can do a really edgy spy thriller with Alfred, I'll watch it. As long as there's nudity. And since it's on cable, there should be a shitload.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm looking for in my Batman prequel stories. (laughs) British nudity.
0: Uh, Naked Alfred.
1: (laughs) Uh, The one thing, though, that uh, gives me pause is that Pennyworth is being showrun by Gotham's Bruno
0: Heller. Yep. Bruno knows what we want, though. We want baby Bruce and we want vil- all Batman villains Bane. to be 15 yeah. years older than Batman. <laughs> sure. You're real hung up on the age thing. I don't really care if it's they're stupid. older than Batman. stupid. You can't tell me that every Batman villain was around before Batman showed up. That's what they're telling you. No. That is dumb.
1: <laughs> in some more serious news, it's shaping up to be a rough year in terms of creator health. First veteran artist Joyce Chin suffered a stroke. While on her way to this year's C2E2 with her partner, Art Adams. Ah, it's terrible. On top of that, the resulting fall led to a broken ankle. So she had a stroke. And as she was falling, she broke her ankle. That sucks. Thankfully, Chicago's Presence Resurrection Hospital was able to perform surgery and provide care for Joyce. She reported later that she has not experienced any noticeable loss of function. Good. But because comic creators are held hostage by a broken healthcare system and an industry that doesn't care for them, she needs help. That's kind
0: of the whole United States right now, though. Yeah, but comic creators, but especially in a big comic way. creators. Yes, uh,
1: of course. She spent two weeks in the ICU, so her medical costs are astronomical. To that end, in addition to a GoFundMe page, Dynamite Entertainment is selling an exclusive Vampirella lithograph featuring art from Chin's first work on the character from 2001. Proceeds from the sales of the lithograph will go towards Chin's medical costs. The GoFundMe is doing very well. Good on you, Dynamite. That's very sweet. Yeah, way to step up, That's very sweet. A day after news of Dynamite's fundraiser was posted, artist Tom Coker announced that the Black Monday Murders, which is the Image comic series he co-created with Jonathan Hickman, will be going on hiatus due to Coker's ongoing health concerns. Ugh. While... Coker stated that his hiatus is temporary and not a cancellation image has canceled orders for issues nine and ten with the intent to resolicit at an unspecified later date. Now, Coker made no mention of fundraising in his statement, but the artist is going to have to stop working for an indeterminate amount of time just to focus on getting and staying healthy. And we
0: don't know what his health concern is either.
1: Yeah, I mean, he has. I don't think he specified exactly okay. what's going on. All right. The status of Joyce Chan and Tom Coker's medical and financial well-being highlights, as I said, one of the biggest problems in the comic industry. Don't read
0: this. Just talk through it. Just say it from your heart. Let's hear it.
1: The situation with Joyce Chan and Tom Coker highlights one of the biggest problems in the comic industry, which is the fact that there is simply no system in place to care for freelance creators who don't have the benefits that come with a big-time exclusive contract from a major publisher. That's why it's so important to support the creators that you love to donate to organizations like the hero initiative and yes. just do what you can buy art, visit them at cons right. And this is how they
0: live. We're not damning the comic companies. I get it. It's a dog eat dog world and we're working on low margins and freelance work is freelance work. I get that. They can do better, but they can do better and we can support Avengers Endgame made a billion dollars in three days. Yeah, but that's only a billion dollars. Yeah, I mean, like, what is a billion dollars going to do for someone in the hospital?
1: Isn't it? (laughs) Isn't it some stupid? Number like the the only like it will only take like 10
0: billion dollars to end world hunger or something stupid. That's Marvel Entertainment by the way. They have nothing to do with the comics. They're like, fuck off, Tom Coker. (laughs) Look, it's important
1: to help these guys out when they need it, even when they don't need it, because you never know when it's going to happen. I'm going to post links to the Hero Initiative and the fundraisers for Joyce Chin in the show notes. Uh, Visit Tom Coker's Facebook page. Check out his art. Send him a kind word. Anything
0: you can do definitely helps these guys. Yeah.
1: Show your support if you can, guys.
0: That is your nerd news for the week. But I'm sure we missed plenty other stories while arguing about whether or not Cap broke up Peggy's marriage. We'll get to that in a little bit here. So hit us up on the THN Forum's big news section, or better yet. That was a huge spoiler, by the way. <laughs> tune in to cover... No, it isn't. Nobody knows nothing for if they didn't see the movie. <laughs> tune in to cover to cover live every Saturday. We broadcast on our Facebook page. This week, we're doing it from 1 to 2 o'clock Central Standard Time. And you can come out and see us live, too on location at Free Comic Book Day at Legend Comics and Coffee. If I were a smarter man, I would know the address. 5207 Leavenworth Street, Omaha, Nebraska. Joe Patrick. It's going to be just like AM Talk Radio, but without all the Robert E. Lee fan fiction. And you control the content. So, call us. 402- 819-4894- Or you can click the Call Live button while you are watching us on Facebook Live. Or you can walk right up to us at Legend Comics and Coffee this week and slap us and tell us to grow up. If you can't do any of that, you can always send us an MP3 to TwoHeadedNerd at gmail.com.
1: It's Spotlight Review Time in the cigarette where Matt and I make open death threats to the creative teams of two of this week's new comics because it's the only way we know how to express
0: our opinions. That's right. This sucks. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> but the floor is yours. <laughs> My review this week is of Deceased, number one, and that's spelled Eased. Get it. It's more like DC eased. Yeah. Is if there was diseased? a space in the wrong way. Is it supposed to be diseased or deceased? I think it's the latter. I think <laughs> okay. it's supposed to be right. deceased. It's from DC Comics. You haven't picked up on that. It's written by Tom Taylor with art by Trevor Hairsign, Stefano Guadino, and James Heron. It was 399 for 40 pages. Kind of sure. Yeah, yeah, not not bad. bad. Here's your solicit. I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna read this just like uh, Johnny Cash did. And then I looked. And, I looked yeah. and there before me was a pale horse. His rider was death, and Hades was following close behind him. That's from Revelation 6, colon 8. A mysterious techno-virus has been released on Earth, infecting 600 million people and turning them instantly into violent, monstrous engines of destruction. The heroes of the DCU are caught completely unprepared for a pandemic of this magnitude and struggle to save their loved ones first, but what happens to the world's greatest heroes if the world Ends. Oh no. I've been whining about the recent storylines in Justice League having stakes so high that it's hard to even care about what's going on, and deceased? Well, it already feels like it's going to suffer from similar issues, but this time, it's zombies instead of cosmic beings beyond time and space. Cosmic zombies. That's right. Zombies. But not just any zombies. These mindless, hungry monsters are created by a new upgraded anti-life equation that Darkseid developed by doing something to a crucified cyborg who was kidnapped. In a different comic? No, it's not a different comic. This is a standalone story out of continuity, I guess. He was just kidnapped off panel. Well, they talk about it. They they talk about repelling. They repelled Darkseid's invasion. Right. And he was like, whatever. I already got what I wanted. Yeah.
1: So and yeah. then they're
0: like, oh, "So Cyborg's not around. Where is he? I don't know. All right, let's go home and freak out." Yeah, the story seems to be a what if Darkseid didn't actually lose his first battle with the Justice League, but went back to Apocalypse and created a super techno virus that can be spread through Facebook, and it turns you into a flesh eating zombie. <laughs> because I don't know, zombies are still hot, I guess. Are they though? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> ah. I dig Elseworld stories, but DC seems to be stuck in a branding crisis with these standalone tales. I honestly did not know if this was in continuity at first, and there is nothing on or in the book itself to let the reader know. You didn't think Darkseid exploding nothing. was a clue? <laughs> Who knows anymore? In the entire planet apocalypse explodes. With what's going on in Justice League? <laughs> Who fucking knows? I right? guess that's true. This felt like an Injustice tie-in for an Injustice Horde mode DLC that doesn't exist. And it just did not work for me at all. The comic is perfectly well written, outside of some complete over-narration by Tom Taylor for the opening setup. The art is very nice. It was cool to see Trevor Harrison's take on the Justice League. But something was just off. Deceased feels like Marvel zombies, but completely devoid of any sense of humor. Maybe I'm just zombied out, but I could not bring myself to care about the story at all, and I cannot understand why DC doesn't label these books as Elseworlds to prevent confusion from idiots like me. Because if you tell somebody it doesn't count, oh please, a bunch of people won't buy it. If this was my first experience with Justice League, or even my return to the title after a long break, not only would I have no clue what was going on, but i Doubt I would be back for more. DC seems to be following the footsteps of titles like Heroes in Crisis, where a talented creative team tries to write something edgy, starring your favorite DC heroes, but it just comes off as an excuse to do something really shitty to the characters. Mm -hmm. Only this time, it's out of continuity, so the stakes of the story are even lower. My rating? Leave it, folks. Wow, I don't know if I can go that far, because
1: I did think that it was executed well. It was, but I just... I, personally, though, just don't care.
0: Yeah, that's where I'm at. Like, I don't Which need to see- Which is not a leave it, because it's not bad. But it's not bad, but it's also not something that I need to see the Justice League doing. Sure. You know what I mean? And, like, the idea behind it, it like, while it's clever, it's almost a little too cute. Like, this techno virus that's spread through our phones. Oh, man. Holding a mirror up society Yeah, what, is it, what do they think they are? Oh, Black mirror? Oh, you know? Uh,
1: so, I am in the middle of rereading- the complete DC One Million Saga okay. from 1998, which also features a techno-organic virus it does. spread through uh, you know, TV and whatnot. I don't sure. think there was Facebook back then. No. You know what it didn't do? Make people eat each other. Yeah. <laughs> it just made them a little bit paranoid.
0: Right. Right. <laughs> uh, the art is good. I don't care. Give it a, If you want to give it a skim it? go ahead. I'm going to give it a skim it. Just, just because- I just like, thought this was mean-spirited to be mean-spirited.
1: Yeah. I mean- I won't go that far. I think heroes. I think it's better than heroes in crisis.
0: In that regard, I think heroes in crisis is just an excuse. So you don't want to kill Tom Taylor for this one, but you I do want to kill. Who was it? The wrote... Tom King. Tom King. I don't for heroes in crisis. Got it necessarily want record. to kill anybody. Tom King's family. Take notice. Oh boy, <laughs> here we go again. Joe Patrick. Speaking of bad guys doing bad things. Yeah. The floor is yours, sir. All right. Uh, this
1: week I'm reviewing. Year of the Villain, number one, from DC Comics. is written by Scott Snyder, Brian Michael Bendis, and James Tinney in the Four. With art by Jim Chung, Alex Malieve, and Francis Manipole. It's, a, it's about 30 pages uh, for 25 cents, or
0: probably free. Yeah, it was like 28 pages for 25 it, cents.
1: The, the review copy was 28 pages, but I'm sure that there was some... I'm just saying story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was free on Comicsology the day it came out. There you go. So... Here is your solicit. Evil is winning. Lex Luthor and the Legion of Doom conspire with cosmic gods, bending mankind toward a dark destiny. Elsewhere, the scourge of Leviathan spreads unchecked, seizing power in every corner of the world. That's hard. <laughs> and all the while, the Batman who laughs busies himself in the
0: shadows, laughing,
1: aligned, with no one yet with sinister plans for all. And shadows. And and himself. The carnage starts here as the bad guys take center stage in the Year of the Villain, the most treacherous event in DC Comics history. Some act with united goals, others with plans selfish and secret, every one of them on a monstrous collision course against Batman, Superman, and the heroes of the DC Universe. And our heroes will fail us. OMG. Dun, I'm not much of a fan of grim, dark storytelling in my comics. I see that you put a comma in
0: there, but yes. "grim dark" is an internet word—look it up. Okay, but you could put a hyphen in there. But that's not how it's spelled. I know, but I hate these kids.
1: <laughs> All right. Now I don't mean—before I get any emails or tweets about it, Wooly Toots, I'm talking about
0: you. Just say, "Don't at me, bro." Don't at me, bro. <laughs>
1: I don't mean that there can't be dark moments or that bad things can't happen. Those moments have their
0: place at Joe Patrick one one six on the Twitter.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I'm talking about stuff that's thrown in. Like you said about D.C.'s just to show how edgy comics can be. Right. Like, ooh, Ultraman snorts kryptonite like a drug. Ooh. And Superboy Prime cut the Team Titans in half with his heat vision. Ooh, or Zombie Nightwing is biting Bruce's neck. Both of my examples <laughs> were courtesy of Jeff Johns. You're welcome. I was worried that we were returning to that kind of storytelling with DC's evil wins marketing of this event, but... I was actually pleasantly surprised by Year of the Villain, number one. First off, the writers, along with some very informative back matter, give you everything you need to know going into the event, which is a lifesaver if you're woefully behind on a lot of books like me. The premise, believe it or not, is simple. Lex Luthor has united DC's supervillains on the eve of their greatest triumph, giving up his own vast wealth and power, maybe his life, question mark, to upgrade his peers, Meanwhile, Leviathan is running roughshod over the world's intelligence agencies, bringing them under Leviathan's singular control, and the Batman who laughs is a wild card lurking in the background, plotting his own deadly scheme, which we will talk about on our next
0: episode. Is he in the background or is he in the shadows? We need to make up our mind He's here.
1: in the shadows. He's in the background shadows. The background shadows. Laughing.
0: With himself. With himself. Got it.
1: Somehow, it's all connected, and this issue outlines just how things are going to play out in the coming months. You're the Villain is full of big comic booky ideas, eldritch space gods, human-martian hybrids, unbeatable super spies, and titanic team-ups. The book, of course, is visually stunning throughout. The names on the art team are beyond reproach. Yeah, speak for themselves. A couple of breathtaking splash pages and double-page spreads by Chung and Manipal featuring a huge cast of he- heroes and villains. Chung tackles the opening chapter as the Legion of Doom strikes. Maliv takes us into the shadows, not the shadows of the same, not the same different shadows, shadows. Not the background shadows. Different shadows. shadows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As Leviathan makes an offer that Batgirl might not be able to refuse, and Manapole shows us the heroes preparing for the crisis ahead. I think this one shot sets the stage for what could be some pretty interesting stories, and I am interested in seeing where it all goes. As I said, this is probably something that your local comic book store is giving away for nothing. What do you have to lose?
0: Yeah, just. Buy it. Don't be Take a jerk. It. Buy it. Steal it. Fuck yeah! Don't be it. a jerk. Steal it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I'm also like you. I'm not. I'm not like some puritan here. I like bad guys doing bad stuff. Sure, but I don't need to read like just mean spirited dumb crap. Especially not in my spirited. DC comics. Yes, and this was wonderfully done. I understand why the bad guys are doing what they're do. I get their motives, and uh, the story is well put together. It's just fun. And we need to see bad guys succeeding and doing bad guy stuff. Otherwise, it's just Superman punching the bad guy until he wins. You know what I mean? Well,
1: yeah. I mean, it's it's fun. It's fun to see the villains gaining the upper hand every once sure. in a while. Sure.
0: Yeah, and when it's well thought mm-hmm. out and it's well executed. And that's what this crew is doing here. Yep. I think You're the Villain is going to be a lot of fun. And it's going to raise the stakes, but raise them in a way that they're not completely ridiculous. Bad guys, we recognize, Yeah. are Behind this stuff. It's not another being from beyond time and space. Well, I mean, there is a being
1: from beyond time and space. But there, there, there is. Yeah.
0: There is. But, like, but, they're okay, I'm feeling better about the Justice League run after reading this. I'll tell you. Because I'm seeing where they're going now.
1: And in one page, they were able to sum up everything that Snyder has been doing the yes. last 20 some issues. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, well. Yeah
0: and then after reading that was why like, didn't you just say so could have done that in, in one <laughs> issue <laughs> so that is a leave it and a skiv it for deceased and a double buy it for year of the villain we will post our written reviews over a two headed nerd so Jim Lee knows we're doing the job he paid us for but we need to know what you nerds thought of these comics too. call us this weekend one 1- to two Central Standard Time, you can't say I didn't say it seventeen times in this episode for THM cover to cover.
1: You know someone's gonna count, right? Mm-hmm. This is a brief open letter to the several people who thought bringing a newborn to see the ten fifteen p.m. Showing of Avengers Endgame. How does
0: anyone in their right mind think this is a good idea?
1: Look, I'm no parent, but if you can't afford a babysitter, you shouldn't be spending money on movies! It's true. But we're not here to criticize your shitty parenting. Quite the opposite. We're here to introduce the new Granny Goodness Child Care Center, where you can just place your baby in the conveniently located boom tube outside the theater, and then everyone can enjoy the show. Where do you pick up your little bundle of joy afterwards, you ask? We'd love to tell you all about it, but right now we've got to review eight more of this Wednesday's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round.
0: Ludicrous Speed! Go! Savage Avengers, number one from Marvel. At the end of the recent Avengers No Road Home miniseries, it turned out Conan was the only one with no road home, as he was. Yeah, left everyone in the else seven. had a clear road home. Everybody else got home just fine. <laughs> no sweat for Conan, though. It's business as usual. He sets out on a plan to kill a wizard with a big damn jewel. But then the hand and Wolvie show up and ruin everything. I'm still not sold on Conan and the Modern Marvel U, but writer Jerry Duggan does a pretty good job with the story. Mike Diodato was probably the perfect choice to draw this nasty and violent book, and they both have a pretty clever way to bring this team together. Now, do we need an Avengers murder squad? No. But this was a much better read than I thought it was going to be, and we get to see Wolvie fight Conan. It was pretty cool. Give it a. But it was good, it was fun. Yeah, it was kind of cool. <laughs> Hashtag Danger number one from Ahoy.
1: Despite Chris Giorosso's adorable art, hashtag danger is absolutely not for kids. (laughs) Tom Payer's foul-mouthed science squad is like the Challengers of the Unknown if they were led by one of the Kardashians. Oh my. Hilarious script that hits a lot of goofy Silver Age notes and like all Ahoy titles, it's full of great backup content like Paul Constant and Fred Harper's awesome short story, about the perils of being a D-list celebrity that gets recognized in line. <laughs> it's a real drag. <laughs> Ahoy does it again. I loved hashtag danger number one, despite the very grating title, but they are ruined it on purpose. They know what they're doing. Of course. Giving it a buy.
0: Gogor number one from Image. Imagine if Grendel and Mage creator Matt Wagner and Bone creator Jeff Smith had a child that studied at the Miyazaki School of Fantasy Writing and you've got Ken Gehring. His writing style, like his art, is light and fast, and it lets the two work seamlessly to set up a world of floating islands, a hero that rides a giant shrew, and evil troops riding beetles with no exposition needed. It's a refreshing way to walk into a book, especially in what seems to be a very heavy exposition week. My God. So many books I read were like, Superman looked on as he realized that this was going on and he was going to have to tell (laughs) Batman about the... It's just... Fucking tell me the story! Gogor feels like the beginning of a fantasy epic, and I am on board for the rest of this ride. I'm giving it a huge buy it. It was good. War of the Realms, Strike Force, colon, the Dark Elf Realm, number one from Marvel. What a title. No, no.
1: Now, it looks like these Strike Force one shots are gonna flesh out the adventures of the various hero squads yes. running around the 10 realms. They announced so many freaking tie
0: ins before this book came out that I yep. could not keep track. It was nuts.
1: This one features Freya and a team that's not afraid to confront their own darkness as they set out to destroy Malekith's Black Bifrost. Fun idea in theory, but writer Brian Hill spends almost the entire issue gathering the team and having them prove themselves to Freya, and only two pages on their actual hey, he's mission. It's four issues; he's got to flesh out. It's a one-shot, man. It's oh, a one-shot mini-series. No, it's like to be continued in War of the Realms number four. Oh, like, what the okay. hell? It's absolute filler. Entertaining filler. Beautifully drawn by Lanelle Francis Yu, but filler nonetheless. W-O-T-R-S colon the Dark Elf (laughs) Realm number one. It's a skim it. Woters. (laughs) Woters.
0: Fallen World number one from Valiant. Rai is back in the year 4002, and writer Dan Abnett has him running the surviving colony of New Japan after defeating the city's AI father, which sent the space station crashing to Earth in the end of the 4001 AD story available in trade and well worth the read. One of my favorite 90s, early 2000s ex-artists, Adam Polina continues his killer sci-fi work here and Rai has never looked so good. Fallen World continues the massive story started by Matt Kent in 4001 AD and shows us the aftermath as Rai struggles to keep his citizens happy while dealing with half-human, half-animal hybrids, synthetic dinosaur attacks, and much more. Far-flung future stories like this can be very hard to hook me sometimes, but this creative team had me from page one Buy it. Goosebumps! Horrors of the Witch House number 1 <laughs> from IDW That was scarier than the whole comic <laughs> When a mysterious woman
1: moves into an old house and hypnotizes the town whoa Yeah a group of kids sneaks on over to find that the evil witch is insert the dun 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 here <laughs> Renovating. (laughs) This is completely inoffensive in every way, and that's the problem. When I was a kid, they made horror stories for children that would scar you for life. Fuck yeah, they did. Not only is the script by Denton Tipton and Matthew Dow Smith completely free of tension, but the super cartoonish art by Chris Finoglio, which is perfectly fine, but it's better suited for comedy than horror. I get it, it's goosebumps, but I have to give Horrors of the Witch House
0: number one a leave it. Oh, grumpy old dude. Sorry. Mm. The Green Lantern, number seven from DC. It is not new news that Graham Morrison's Green Lantern run has been stellar, but I need to take a minute to talk about Liam Sharp's incredible artwork on this title. I've always liked Liam Sharp, but he seems to be working outside of himself. In this issue, we see Hal trapped in his own ring and Sharp appears to have lost his damn mind while drawing it. I cannot say enough about the detail, the paneling, the character designs, and just how damn wacky this title has been. I love the Green Lantern so damn much. I'm giving it a buy it. Young Justice number 5 from DC. Well, that
1: bastard really did it. After talking about how in continuity this book is for four straight months, seriously, every time. Yeah. In continuity. Yeah. Brian Michael Bendis restores in a handful of pages what the New 52 spent five years trying to wipe out. I'm not going to spoil that moment for fans, but all I could think about afterwards was how Lord Stephen, the THN master of coin, was feeling after he read it. <laughs> John Tim steps in on art with some very solid help from former Marvel artist Chris Anka and the best two page spread I've seen in a really long time, courtesy of Doc Shaner. If you're a fan of DC's teen legacy characters and you want to see them brought back to their former glory, you need to be reading Young Justice.
0: Buy it. I got to catch up. I need <laughs> to. That's so good. Ludicrous speed! Dreams. Are you sure it's not zero? <laughs>
1: that is your ludicrous <laughs> speed round and zero! There you go. I think it's zero is the sound of Andy firing up her energy swords as seen in the pages of Neon Future, number one.
0: I missed that one. Who is Andy and what is Neon Future?
1: It's a new comic. It's a new one. This onomatopoeia was submitted by Randy Andrews via the THN Facebook fan page.
0: (laughs) Randrew? He's still running around?
1: (laughs) If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can fire it up your energy sword and carve it into the front door of the ziggurat or hit us up on any of our social media platforms or shoot an
0: email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. This week in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, we're uh, busy refollowing all the creators and friends that we thought were posting endgame spoilers. It turns out most of you were just trolling us, and Count Chocula isn't even in the film. Oh, Joe. Well, I send out some apologies. Why don't you tell these nerds about your must-read pick for Wednesday, May eighth? I can't believe I gave that guy thirty bucks for one box. I know, right? Sucker.
1: <laughs> My pick for next week is *Murder Falcon* number eight from Mar- from Image Comics. Pardon me. Written Sorry. by Daniel Warren Johnson, with art by Warren Johnson
0: and Mike Spicer.
1: I don't know if Warren, I don't know if it's like a hyphenated last name or if Warren's his middle
0: name. Daniel Warren Johnson, or if he's like an assassin. Yeah, maybe it's a, let's just say it's his full name, and he's a killer. Yeah. He's a
1: killer. Like John Wayne Gacy. Yeah. Not an assassin, a serial
0: killer. Yeah. <laughs> it's 32 pages
1: for three ninety-nine.
0: Here, Actually, just John listen. Wayne Gacy was sort of like the exception. Usually assassins get three names and serial killers. Get assassins? Three. What yeah. are you talking about? Like John Wilkes Booth. Assassin. Oh, okay, I guess, You know, yeah. like, they all, like, uh, what was the one who came after? Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Lee you know? Harvey Oswald, yeah, yeah, yeah. Another good example. Yeah. Lou Diamond Phillips. There's uh, another, you know. Lou <laughs> Diamond Phillips? <laughs> yeah. Yeah? William H. Macy? Yeah, Assassins. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Here's just listen.
1: Daniel Warren Johnson's power ballad concludes in a brutal battle of the bands. The members of Bruticus have come too far to allow magnum chaos to reign on Earth. Strap on your axe. Join the battle and remember... Metal will destroy all evil. I'm saying it. It is my favorite image comic currently being published. It's I wonderful. Love it so much.
0: It's so wonderful.
1: And the story wraps up next issue. I hope they do more. I really do. It's it's exceptional.
0: It could also be the kind of thing though where it does get old after a while. You know, like, I'm glad they're like, we're, we're telling this story, we're telling this story. Well, sure, but I mean, if they've, got, if they've got ideas, give them to me. Sure, sure. Matt, what's your pick? My pick also comes from Image Comics. It's Excellence, number one, from Image Comics, like I said. Yeah. Written by Brandon Thomas, art by Kerry Randolph, is 32 pages for $3.99. Here's your solicit. Spencer Dales was born into a world of magic. His father belongs to the Aegis. How do you say that? Aegis. A-E-G-A-S. You're sure it's not A-E? Actually, I think it's pronounced Aegis. Aegis. I'm going to do that. Yeah. A secret society of black magicians. Z- <laughs> ordered by their unseen masters to better the lives of others. Those with greater potential, but never themselves. Now it's time for Spencer to follow in his father's footsteps, but all he sees is a broken system in need of someone with the wand and the will to change it. But in his fight for a better future, who will stand beside him? Kerry Randolph from We Are Robin, Noble, Black, and Tech Jacket. And Brandon Thomas, who wrote Horizon, The Many Adventures of Miranda Mercury, Noble, and Voltron, ignite a generational war in this action fantasy series made entirely by the creators of color. Made entirely by creators of color. Oh, made entirely. i sorry. (laughs) Made entirely by creators of color and committed to one truth above all others. Excellence is real. It's like... Punk rock magic story, basically. Yeah, sounds fun. Kid grew up, isn't going to put up with this Black Order bullshit anymore, and he's taking it to the people, like Robin Hood with a wand, baby. I love Carrie Randolph. I do too. I love Carrie Randolph. And it's been a while since we've seen that dude, I think.
1: Well, he's been drawing Noble for Lion Forge.
0: Oh, that's right. I wasn't reading it. You reviewed it. That's why I, didn't I read know. it. I read I it for a, for a little while. bit, yeah. Okay. The THN
1: trade of the week goes to Albert Einstein, Time Mason. It's a trade paperback from Action Lab Entertainment, which we mistakenly thought was just a single comic.
0: Yes, it was at one point. At one point, it
1: was. Last year. It's written by (laughs) Marcus Perry with art by Tony Donnelly. It's 128 pages for $14.99. Here's your solicit. After a horrific accident strikes a space station, an engineering officer must use all available tools, a timer, utility kit, and his wits, to survive an attack from the deadliest creature known to man. Nope. This is the solicit for Aliens Dead Orbit. Uh, Let's just leave that in there. Let's just leave that in there. Uh, I love historical figure... Into weird genre fiction. Okay, I love see, it.
0: I'm like getting, the five-fifths of science. Yeah. No, five-fifths of science is fine. I'm getting a little over the whole, like, insert name here. Insert weird job you would never think they had, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like Mary Shelley Vampire Hunter. Or yeah, one, right? But, yeah, but yeah. I did like that. I gave it a pie, you know, and- I admit, I'm the only person in the world that loved Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> that movie kicked
1: ass. Yeah, weirdo. It was so good. Uh, so sorry, Marcus and Tony. Tony, We plugged in the, the wrong
0: solicit, but we are recommending your book. Yeah, it looks fun. The art is incredible. Albert Einstein and a group that he calls the Time Masons basically jump through time and fix problems in the time stream. It's, it's kick ass. I read the first issue of it thinking it was going out this week. It was great. Awesome.
1: These are just a couple of suggestions of comics you should pick up next week, but... You've probably got some suggestions of your own. What do you want to hear us review? Head over to the THN forums and join the conversation. I went to the forums the other day. Brian Domingos has listed a punishing number of terrible things for us to review oh, on great. Uh, Tales Too Terrible oh, to Tell. <laughs>
0: uh, so, oh, thank
1: you, Brian, for your service. <laughs>
0: You've been waiting on the edge of your seat almost a week for the official THN Avengers Endgame review. We know. But you're not getting another glowing review from us, I'm afraid. Nope. On this edition of Nerd at the Movies, we'll be examining our biggest and burning Avengers Endgame takeaways, theories, and questions. Joe Patrick, we saw it. We loved it. We have plenty to talk about here.
1: Yeah, so when he says it's not another glowing review, he just means we're not actually giving a Yeah, review. Yeah, I just didn't
0: think, let's sit here and tell everybody how great we thought it was. We get it. We, everybody loved it. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Warning, we're going to spoil some shit right here. All kinds of stuff. Spoiler alert. We have got to talk. While it was wonderful, perfectly executed, so much fun, there's a lot of questions that need yes. to be answered. Uh,
1: so as many people predicted, The plot of Avengers Endgame hinged completely on the team's ability to travel through time via the quantum realm, Mm -hmm. uh, which saw them gathering infinity stones from various points in the timeline so that they could use them in the
0: future. I got to say, like, they didn't explain the quantum realm thing (laughs) at all. But I think they knew there is, I mean, they kind of did a little, there's no good way to explain this. It's not going like we could spend an hour trying to, or we could just have Tony like look at the model, twist it slightly and then sit back and go, Holy shit. That's <laughs> it. You know? And I was like, that's well, fine. I'll buy it. Yeah. yeah right. And then he showed it to other people and the smart people were like, Oh my God, that is it. And the dumb people were like, what am I looking at? <laughs> you know? Basically. yeah. It
1: was great. <laughs> And yes, so they gather up the stones so that they can return them to the future. Very important. Yes. And undo the Thanos snap and restore 50% of all life.
0: Now, we know they do it. Spoiler alert. Everyone comes back. First question. Yeah. Were those five years written out of continuity or do they count? They count. Okay. So they count. Yeah. Now, that takes me straight to. Because they didn't stop the snap. Right. And they, we know we know they count because Ant Man's daughter was older. And, still older. And Iron Man has a kid. And Iron Man still had a kid. So yeah. that's not gone. Right. So Spider Man comes home at the very end. Right. Yes, right. Runs into school. Yes. All the kids there seem to be fine. Yeah. He recognizes Ned. Yeah. And he's like, oh, whew. Good. Did all of Spider-Man's friends get snapped? So that's got to be the theory, right? It has is that to be 100% of them got snapped, right?
1: No, I mean cuz otherwise the main friends Homecoming doesn't make any sense. MJ, Ned, right.
0: Flash, they all got uh, snapped. They got snapped, yeah. Betty Brant.
1: Okay. Um but um, so the way to think about it is that it's not 50% of a specific group. It's 50% of everybody. Right. So like if you're in a room with 8 people all eight of you might have gone. That's true. Or one of you or yeah. none of
0: you. And no one in the other room may have gone.
1: Who right, knows? exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the theory there, the, the, a theory that I saw that I really uh, liked is that, so obviously, five years have passed. Um, Earth has somehow figured out a way to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, infra- infrastructure is certainly very different. Yeah. Uh, resources are very different. Yeah. Suddenly... Three and a half billion people show up. Right. (laughs) We're back. (laughs) Uh, Including many children. Right. Right? The theory I read is that that school is probably a school
0: exclusively for kids that got dusted. Yeah, because they're going to have to, like, you just, there's no way out of this. Let's go further with the time travel. Yeah. So at the end of the film, they put everything back. We know that that's good. Cap decides. All right. Well, before we get to that part, that's the end. So- they play very fast and loose with the idea
1: that uh, you can't change the past. Right. They're like, they very specifically by name say right. back to the future is bullshit. Right. You can affect the future, but you cannot change the past. When you time travel to the past, your past becomes the future or something like that. Something to that extent. Yeah. Right. And so when you, it's very Marvel comic booky because the Marvel comics are the same. Right. When you time travel, you're not altering the past. You are creating an alternate timeline. A what if?
0: Okay, so in that sense, like I, 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 I was talking to my buddy Justin about this the other night. They pluck Gamora out of 2014. Yes, and bring her back. She goes. She goes with. Uh, if so they do during, that during the during the time
1: heist, right? Uh, Thanos gets wind of their plan. Thanos of the past, right? Learns of their plan and uses. Uh, T- uses the same technology to travel with his army to the future, including Gamora
0: pre-Guardians right. 1. So, so she's still kind of evil. If he takes her from that point to the future, does she meet the Guardians? Does any of that shit happen? Well, she met the Guardians. Do the Guardians right. get the purple stone and s- all that
1: crap we needed to happen? So there's a scene with the Ancient One, and well, let's not do that. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, okay, it's no, part no, you're of it. right. It's you're part right. of the you're explanation. Right. I
0: see where you're going. Okay. There's
1: a scene with the ancient one
0: where <laughs> I loved it. Fucking smart Hulk. I smart Hulk. You guys called it. it. It was the smart best. Smart Hulk was so good. But I loved it. the ancient one. Was just like, oh, I don't exist in time like that. Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, like, like just like if you're here looking for Stephen Strange, you're five years too early. Right. <laughs> sure. Like, right. What? <laughs> Who are the three?
1: Iron Man, Cap, and Hulk. Right. Travel to Avengers one, 2012. Pretty much. Uh, because they figure out, if we go to the right year, three of the stones are in New York City. Yeah. And so Cap goes after the Tesseract, uh, which is at Avengers Tower. Uh, Hulk uh, is pretending to be dumb Hulk, <laughs> which is hilarious. It was great. <laughs> and he goes to the Sanctum Sanctorum to uh, get the stone from Doctor Strange, right. who, spoiler alert, does not exist yet. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I forget what Iron Man's doing. doesn't matter. Oh, he's trying to get Loki's scepter. Yeah. You're trying Loki's to get Loki's scepter. scepter. Um, so Hulk goes to the ancient one and the ancient's like, ancient one's like, yo, dog, you can't have this stone. Wait a minute. Wasn't Loki's scepter the Tesseract? No. Loki's scepter is the mind stone.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Sorry.
1: So ancient one says you can't have the stone and here's why. Right. Because when you time travel, you create alternate realities and if you take the stone, it creates an alternate reality where the stone is not here. And if the stone is not here, shit's going to go down. It's the only line of defense against all the bad stuff that you guys don't know about in the right. universe. Right. And Hulk says, no problem. We'll bring the stones back to the moment we took them, which will close the loop sure. and erase the second timeline. Okay. Which is all well and good until things happen that prevent the loop from being closed. Like Gamora. Like Gamora. Because Nebula is on like a network. Right. When she gets too close to past evil Nebula, things go crazy. Yeah. And Thanos hears the plan. I didn't have a problem with that by the way. I didn't Some either. people
0: are like, that's too easy.
1: No, no. I thought it was cool. It's not any easier than a rat turning on the quantum tunnel. Yeah. I
0: mean like. And thus saving all the universe as we know it. Fair enough. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I'm sure. But also, I mean like in the sense that you had, We got to see Cap fight young Cap and stuff like that. So we know things can exist together and coexist. And there's no reason that Nebula, if she encounters herself with the same programming and the same sure. internal life, of course she could talk and be like, wait a minute. What the fuck is that? Am I here? You yeah. Know, right. Like- and so that's the whole, that's one of the biggest
1: twists in the plot is that right. they get the drop on good Nebula of 2019 Nebula and evil Nebula poses as her and goes back with the Avengers to the future, uh, which opens the door for Thanos to bring his army to the future, okay, back to the Gamora which thing. creates a reality where Thanos just leaves and ultimately dies. And so in that reality, there is no Infinity War. There is no snap. Right. But that's a different reality. Right. Gamora, who is from that reality as well, we don't know what happens to her at the end. Right. She disappears. But-
0: does it make sense that they can pluck her out of there and different timeline in the, in uh, okay, the, okay. in the prime, I see where you're going in now. the prime and okay. game timeline. I see where you're going.
1: Everything now. that happened in all the 20 movies happened. Right. Everything.
0: Right. So, but there are other offshoots. There are offshoots that, that don't a, get closed. That went a different way. Yeah. So Gamora being one of them. basically. Yeah. So either,
1: either go, either Gamora, uh, went back. Right. Which they don't show. Or she hightailed it out of there because she's like, who are these people?
0: Why does that guy know me? Why did he try to kiss me? Right. I'm out. Now, let me ask you this. They took that Gamora and left. Yeah. We never saw Gamora leave the Soul Stone. Is regular good Gamora still in the Soul Stone? I think Gamora, prime Gamora
1: is still dead. Yeah.
0: Is she dead? They
1: they say over and over again that it can't be
0: undone. You have to give a
1: soul for a soul to get the Soul Stone.
0: So when Natasha goes in the Soul Stone. Yeah. They're in there together. But she's giving a soul for a soul. Does Gamora get farted out?
1: No, you give up a soul to get the stone. Sorry. Oh, to get
0: the stone. Yeah. You have to sacrifice something you love to get the stone. Okay. Oh, no, gotcha. Gotcha there. Yeah. All yeah. right. But so, but yeah, they make a, They are now both trapped in the soul stone. In theory. Are they dead? Well, yeah, they're dead. You see their dead bodies on the ground. They jumped up that. a cliff. I get that, but still. Are they really? I mean,
1: dead? De- in in comics, we all know that dead is not dead necessarily. No,
0: I know, but have we ever seen someone get out of the Soul Stone in the comics?
1: In the comics, yeah, it happens all the time.
0: Okay, so I think it's safe to say. All right, so Guardians of the Galaxy three, we here, may see Natasha and Gamora. So uh, the 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 final Guardians
1: scene in this movie show uh, has a uh, Thor deciding to leave earth and travel into space with the guardians, which is great. It. I
0: love it. I love um, it.
1: But when they get on the ship, they show Peter Quill, uh, like running a search right. for Gamora. It's like searching Gamora. Right. So she's gone still. So he's either looking for old Gamora or past Gamora
0: or whatever, or thinks he can find the he can evil bring her one and make yeah. her realize she's good or something.
1: So I bet that's part of the third movie for oh, sure. Absolutely. Um, other things that, uh, don't, other timelines that don't get closed off, uh, they steal the uh, Tesseract from S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. In Avengers Tower. Uh, but there's a kerfuffle and Loki of the past grabs it and escapes.
0: Well, that's and a TV that's show. That's it. That's his TV show. Alternate timeline. Boom. Totally. So now we get to see Loki on the Disney show. Yeah. Freaking out with the Tesseract. Can't wait. I know. <laughs> I Can't wait. And I love that Loki was like the only one that looked around and was like, Oh, I see what's going on here. <laughs> sure, like, yeah, they're time traveling, <laughs> right? Because he's brilliant.
1: At the end of the film, the stones end up in the hands of Tony Stark, right? Who uses them to destroy Thanos' army. Mm-hmm. Um, previously, they had them. Hulk is the one that brings back everybody from from the dust uh, because he's like the only one strong enough to endure using the stones. Right. It kills yeah. Tony. He has a great send off. And then Captain America volunteers to deliver the stones, and in what I thought was the best part of the whole movie, Mjolnir. <laughs> Why?
0: Why does he take the hammer to take it back to Thor the Dark World? Oh, they stole it from Thor too. Oh, that's right. That's so, totally right. Yes. I totally forgot. Yeah. So uh, they they so go he to, had to go back in time and return the hammer to that Thor. Right. Got so, it. yeah, they, they, one of the adventures is that they have to go to. Uh, Jesus Christ. So I have to watch Thor the Dark World again now? Yeah. God damn They it. have to
1: go to Thor the Dark World timeline and get the reality stone, which, if you remember, was a cosmic goo called the Ether that had gotten absorbed by Jane Foster, right. which means Rocket Raccoon had to, like, sneak up on Jane Foster, stick her in the butt with a syringe and extract <laughs> it.
0: Uh,
1: on their way out, Thor, who goes through a fucking journey in this movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, calls Mjolnir to him and discovers that he is still worthy. Yeah, and it's they, great. They so take great. Mjolnir to the future and Captain America gets to fucking use it. It's the best! <laughs> so at the end, Cap's like, I'll take all the stones back and, and close off all the timelines. It works out, I, I suppose, for the most part. Sure. He presumably takes Mjolnir back to Thor, says, hey, Jane, you don't know me. I'm Captain America. I have this needle for you. <laughs> There's been a lot of debate, though, like the ancient one said specifically taking the stone away from that reality is not going to destroy that reality. It's that it leaves the reality unprotected, right? No one is saying that cap had to take them back to where he found them necessarily. They just have to be in that reality. So we don't necessarily know because like, how is he going to return the soul stone?
0: Yeah, that's a good,
1: I, Is he gonna go up the cliff and say, "Hey, Red Skull, what's up? What are you doing here?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, where was the Soul Stone before? It was always there. It was always on that planet. It was the only stone we never saw until Infinity War. Yeah. Uh, you know, like the Mind Stone was in Loki's sa- staff. I didn't even thought. How's that, that gonna? How's that gonna work? The Cosmic Cube was the Space Stone. Is right. he gonna build another Cosmic? Like there are a lot of loose ends. Right. The biggest loose end of them all. Is that Cap decides not to come back? He decides to stay in 1945 or whatever year it is that they he ends up. It was the end of the war. That's why we know that. Uh, and he leads a happy life with Peggy Carter until he comes back. Until he meets up with the gang at Tony's right. funeral. Shows up as in an old man.
0: Yeah. So let's unpack that. Okay. So what does what this means? What I'm saying this means? We know based on winter soldier two that when cap went to visit peggy in her deathbed she said i don't blame you you had stuff going on i get it you were frozen and then you were busy i have a, i had a husband yeah i had two kids i had a great life yeah well i mean
1: yes so peggy steve you find out about you find out about peggy's family in the winter soldier where right. he visits that exhibit at the museum and she right. talks about
0: her life after but the we war ne- but we never see them he's unnamed and because unrevealed the husband is Steve Rogers. Except it's Steve. You can't change the past. He's not changing the past. He's existing in the past with, and think about it. If it's a loop and he was always going back to do that, he's not changing shit. Yes. That's
1: one way to read it. He's not changing shit. Uh, I have, I have a definitive answer to this debate when we're done, but I think we should have the debate anyway, because it's fun. <laughs> uh, for your theory to make sense, it would require that Steve Rogers goes back to the past. Right lives the life he always should have led Sure, with foreknowledge of not only the events of the Marvel movies, but the assassination of
0: JFK, the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. But 9-11. Sure. But these are all things that have to happen. Do they? To get to a point if where y- they save the whole universe. If you are Captain America. There's nothing he can do.
1: If you're Steve Rogers, he has to let this happen. If you're Steve Rogers, he if I'm Steve Rogers. Who, by the way, is not a theoretical physicist. Right. No, he's not. But he's been told. He's been told by Hulk that you can't change the past. All this stuff. However. Has to All this stuff has to happen this way. He also didn't know. He also knew that Peggy. He one. He also knew that Peggy had a husband and kids. Right. Which means he made the choice to roll the
0: dice that it was always him all along. Quite possibly, or he knew it was always him. There's no way for him to have known. When he shows up as the old man, they say, "Are you going to tell us about it?" And he goes, "No." Right. I could tell you anything because he's terrified. He can't mess with the timeline. It has to happen this way. That's not why he not anybody. It has to do. He's a good soldier, and his job is over, and he's going to go back and get the life that he wants to leave because he knows he is going to come out of the ice as a young man. There's two Steves running around. That Captain America is doing the job, is doing what Cap can do. I'm saying- And if he were to stop the assassination of JFK, Captain America was not there to do that. You can't change that shit. But he was. You see- Not Captain America was there to do that, (laughs) but that could fuck everything up in the
1: future. Things happen this way. You think that Steve Rogers goes home to his wife every night and doesn't tell her that she is secretly working for
0: Hydra? I think she knows she is. She does not. Nobody knows. When did Hydra actually take over S.H.I.E.L.D.? That didn't happen after the war. Yeah, but that didn't happen until years after the right war. After right after the war. Was it right after?
1: Yes, because just like we did, they recruited a bunch of fucking Hydra scientists. Yeah, that's right. And they infiltrated, yes, Hydra-controlled S.H.I.E.L.D. almost from the beginning. That's right. So you're telling that. me that Captain America- yes, I'm telling you that. No way. For if it saves the universe? It yes. doesn't, though. How does, how does stopping Hydra- prevent anybody from stopping Thanos
0: what if it does we don't know what if it changes everything but I don't think Steve could live with himself there's no way
1: that he sits by and does nothing if he knows especially if he knows that he's created an alternate timeline he knows that the prime timeline is safe right so he just says why not but he didn't create an alternate timeline he did if you tried to change shit excellent conversation I love that debate Uh, the Russos did an interview with Entertainment Weekly because nobody fucking understood the end of Avengers. And they said, he's in an alternate timeline. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So don't worry about it. He's in an alternate timeline. Yeah, it's
0: fun. He's not a
1: homewrecker. No. Uh, So then the question is, if he was in a different timeline, how did he get back to the main timeline to give the shield to Captain America? That's
0: Falcon. That's what leads me to believe that like, he can't be in an alternate timeline. He the makers of the, the film line. said, point blank, he is in an alternate timeline. But then it doesn't make any sense if he shows up as an old man and he knows to be there at that time. It doesn't make sense. He lived through all those events. He knows when Tony's funeral is. He left from that moment. Right, but he's in an alternate timeline, you said. Yes. and Where the same shit happens?
1: He goes back. He goes back sideways. He travels sideways to the prime timeline to hand off the shield and say, hey, I'm okay. How the hell did he do that? I don't know. He knows Hank Pym. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. His wife works with Hank Pym and Howard Stark. <laughs> it's right, not going to be that right, hard. Right, I mean, he also, had a, he also had a perfectly brand new looking shield, which, how did he get that? Yeah. Because Thanos smashes his shield. That's true. Because he knows the Black Panther. He knows where to find the Black Panther. Yeah, I suppose. I'm saying, yeah. this, our Steve that we've followed since 2000 and whatever is in an alternate timeline where anything goes. Right. There's we, so many more questions. Look, we've kind of gone off the rails, right.
0: but like, there's so many more questions and theories we have about Endgame, and we're going to talk about it more on cover to cover this weekend with you guys. We want to hear whether you think any of this has any credence, or we're full of shit, or hit us with the questions that you don't understand. Let's talk about it. There's a lot. Let's talk to about unpack it here. Yeah, it's it's
1: it's a big old movie. It's three hours that went by in a blink of an eye. Fuck, and I wish it had been three
0: more. Tell me about it. Had they just said. Folks, you want to see it again? We're going to be like, yes, play it again! Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. (laughs) Excelsior! That is it for THN 527, and the cease and desist orders for 528 are already pouring in.
1: Pretty sure that's the same joke as last week.
0: No, it isn't. Joe Patrick, before we make the bold decision to defend ourselves in court, that never works. Ask these nerds the new question of the week. This week's question comes from the diseased mind of Matt Bomb himself. <laughs> <laughs> he says,
1: terrible. quote, pitch me your way to introduce mutants to the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
0: Yeah, it's got to be good, too. They can't just start being born now or like you're going to have a bunch of baby X-Men that don't grow up for fucking 14 years. No. Next babies, bro. No, it's a thing. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> if you're new to the show and you can't stand listening to it no mores, I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire end of THN in our digital long box archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. But hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap. So we want to thank donors like our patron and son of Mark Harmon, Paul Harmon. Confirmed, son of Mark Harmon. That's right, Jags kid. (laughs) Before we go... (laughs) Our weekly
1: shout-out goes to Copperhead, Noble Causes, and Dynamo 5 creator Jay Farber, who just announced that he's signed on as a writer of the CW Supergirl. That dude is so That's talented.
0: That's fun. I love him. I, I do love too. Jay Farber.
1: Where do you, Jay? Until next time,
0: true believers, remember to pre-order your comics, or your retailer might just jag off all over them. This no. is the 2 it Nerd! No, sir!
1: Signing off! Yuck! <laughs>